From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. As the coronavirus outbreak continues to develop, we'll be providing updates at the end of every episode of 7am. But first... One year ago, George Pell was sentenced to six years jail for the sexual abuse of two Melbourne choir boys. Last week, he appealed against that decision in the High Court, and a judgment is still pending. Today, Rick Morton on the final bid for George Pell's freedom. Rick, can you tell me what happened in the High Court last week? Yeah, I um, I went to the High Court for two days, um, for the two days of hearings to determine whether George Pell, Cardinal George Pell, um, the most senior ranking Catholic in the world to have been charged with child sex offences, would have his appeal granted, essentially meaning whether he'll walk free from jail or have it confirmed and, and stay there until he's eligible for parole. Rick Morton is a senior reporter at the Saturday paper. So this was his final chance for freedom really. So um, it all came down to these two very intense days of, of legal argument. So Pell's lawyers are arguing that his convictions for child sexual abuse should be overturned. Rick, can you take me back and remind me of the details of that case? What happened was there were two days in 1996, late 1996, where George Pell had just started his official duties as Archbishop of Melbourne. And there's a Sunday solemn mass at St. Patrick's Cathedral. And, you know, he presides over Mass. He doesn't say it, he presides over it. And then as the Mass ends, the altar servers and the the mitre carrier, the crozier carrier, uh, the priests and the archbishop all file out of the church. Now, there are choir boys in that profession and the two of those choir boys are the victims in this case. At some point during that procession filing out of the cathedral, the choir boys have separated and they've gone over to the priest's sacristy, basically a room where the priest gets ready for mass. Now, ordinarily, nobody else is allowed in that sacristy, but the door was unlocked. And these two choir boys go in there and they're kind of just having a look around. They find some altar wine and start drinking it. And then not long after they get in there, George Pell is said to have come into the sacristy um, where he has um, abused sexually the boys. Okay, and so George Pell was convicted on five charges, one of sexually penetrating a child and four of an indecent act with a child. He's tried to appeal against that once already in the Victorian Court of Appeal. That wasn't successful. And so now his lawyers have taken the case to the High Court. Yeah, there were actually two trials in this case and the first one ended with a a hung jury. They just could not decide on guilt one way or the other. Uh, in August 2018. After years of speculation, Cardinal George Pell was tried over historic child sex abuse charges. That trial came back with a hung jury. So there was a retrial, and that led to Pell being convicted on five counts of child sexual abuse of those two boys. We begin in Melbourne with the shocking news Australia's most senior Catholic, Cardinal George Pell, has been found guilty of child sex offences. Cardinal George Pell has been convicted on five counts of child sexual abuse. The third highest ranked Catholic in the world now convicted of these crimes. He was sentenced not long after that to six years in prison with a non-parole period of three years and eight months where he still is as we speak. Rick, I'm interested to know what it was like in the High Court. You were there. Can you describe it to me? I've covered a few High Court hearings now and I was sitting next to um, a lawyer during the first day. And the room is normally packed with a few kind of older 
local residents in Canberra who want to go to the court for the afternoon and see what's going on. On this day, it was almost jam-packed with lawyers and barristers and other QCs who decided to just be like, well, this is a huge case, let's go along and have a look. So it had the air of theatre. All of these lawyers were kind of whispering and commenting to each other. So, you know, it was this crazy atmosphere and you kind of almost forget that there is a legal case behind it all that has profound implications for not just the man involved, George Pell, but for society because either way, the the argument that kicks off once this court decision is handed down is going to be brutal, I think. You go into this giant room and it's got these enormous ceilings. It feels very much like an old prothenium in a way. And you've got the seven high court justices up there on the bench and essentially two lawyers with all of their helpers, but they never speak. And Brett Walker, he's widely regarded as one of the best silks in Australia. And you could tell that he was under a lot of pressure because, you know, he had the weight of Catholic institutional expectation upon his shoulders. And then you've got Kerry Judd, who's the director of the DPP in Victoria. And she was put under a lot of pressure by the justices because they were picking holes in her theories left, right and centre. I mean, she was berated um, for not taking them through the evidence efficiently. At many points, they would just basically say, Miss Judd, could you please tell us what you're saying? Can you just answer the question? And so what is it that the High Court is actually deciding on here? Yeah, well, the High Court is not there to relitigate the trial. You know, they are not a criminal court in that sense. Um, They're not there to retest the evidence. In order to win an appeal or to win any case in the High Court, you have to demonstrate an error of law or a kind of faulty reasoning in the operation of law. And so they're essentially testing whether the majority of the Court of Appeal in Victoria were correct in their backing of the jury. And in order to do that, they also have to show that the jury were defective in their reasoning. And, you know, it all comes down to the fact that they're saying the jury rendered an unsafe verdict. And and in law, most juries should be believed all the time, right, unless you can prove that they were acting irrationally and that they did not give due consideration to all of the evidence. And that is... Pell's case in a nutshell, that they gave undue influence and in so doing the Court of Appeal backed them up to the weight of the testimony of the one surviving victim who gave evidence and was widely considered to be so compelling and so genuine in his trauma and his recollection that that alone won the case against George Pell. And so Pell's team now have to show that there was so much other evidence that should have raised the bar for doubt and did not. We'll be back in a moment. Need a reminder of what political leadership looks like? Australia's master of political satire, Jonathan Biggins, is back embodying the iconic Paul Keating, visionary, reformer and rabble-rouser. Due to overwhelming demand, one-man comedy The Gospel According to Paul is returning to the Opera House on from the 4th to 23rd of June for its final term ever. Secure your tickets now at sydneyoperahouse.com for an unforgettable evening. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, the Saturday paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism, and you'll receive the Saturday paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday Paper. No hot takes. 
Rick, we're talking about George Pell appealing against his child abuse conviction in the High Court. Talk me through exactly what Pell's defence is arguing. This whole situation is really about a fundamental confusion of the facts. The key argument is, was George Pell on the west steps at St Patrick's Cathedral for more than 10 minutes? And both Pell's defence and the prosecution agree that if Pell was on those steps greeting parishioners as they left Mass for more than 10 minutes, he could not have committed the offences in the priest's sacristy because it takes time to get there. And then also the now infamous theory of whether he could have committed the offences while robed in, you know, these quite dramatic and intricate archbishop's robes. And so the defence are essentially saying you have inverted the burden of proof because it might not be impossible for all of those things to happen. In fact, it may be quite likely that some of them did happen the way the prosecution wants. But that is still a bit of a stretch, according to them. So the question is not whether it was possible for Pell to have committed this crime, but that the jury should have found it highly improbable. The jury saw all of this evidence, right? So they had all of the testimony. They had the witnesses or the, the complainants' um, evidence on camera. Um, they had the, the archbishop's robes in the jury room so they could try them on. All of this is you know has been through the court. So essentially Pell's team are arguing that the Court of Appeal did not give due consideration to the whole of the evidence because the jury must have been acting irrationally if they were so sure that they could convict. There's another element. Because the Court of Appeal actually had the complainant's video recording of his evidence, they watched it twice. And it's a very kind of arcane legal point here. Only juries in the criminal system are able to determine demeanour of witnesses how they look, act, behave, um, to determine their credibility. And juries alone have that right. Now, Pell's team argued that because the Court of Appeal watched those videos twice, they may have been trying to usurp the power of the jury in coming to their own determination. So, Rick, when will a decision be made and what will it mean for Pell either way? We could get a decision from uh, the High Court at the end of next week particularly if they think that they're going to acquit because if that's what they're going to do, then they don't want to wait because in that case they agree that an innocent man has gone to jail. So they're going to do that quickly. If it's more complicated and there is a wait time of more than next week, then things are a little bit more complicated. But essentially what they can do, they can accept their repeal and do what is called a remittal and remit it back to the Court of Appeal for review and another decision they can accept the appeal and deal with it in the High Court there and then, which means that George Pell would walk free immediately, or they can reject it out of hand. And George Pell has exhausted all of his legal avenues uh, for appeal, in which case he will remain in jail until he um, at least reaches his parole period in 2022. Rick, thanks so much for talking to me today. Thanks, Ruby. It's a fascinating case. Mahler's music embodies the very essence of humanity. Experience his epic Song of the Earth 
with the Australian Chamber Orchestra, Richard Tognetti and internationally acclaimed opera stars Stuart Skelton and Catherine Carby. Opens May 12. Book now at aco.com.au. And an update on the coronavirus outbreak. The federal government says it's taking medical advice on whether it needs to bring in more restrictions on outdoor and indoor gatherings. Currently, there are bans on gatherings of 500 or more people. More than 3,000 Australian doctors have signed an open letter calling for health resources to be ramped up to cope with a surge in critically ill patients and encouraging the government to introduce further social distancing measures. And Liberal Senator Andrew Bragg has become the third federal politician to test positive for coronavirus after he attended a wedding in New South Wales where seven attendees have now been confirmed to be infected. The number of cases across the country continues to climb. The Australian share market is on track for more heavy losses after experiencing its worst day since 1987 on Monday. Wall Street has suffered its biggest drop in 33 years as coronavirus panic selling caused a plunge in global markets. US markets hit their low point after President Donald Trump told reporters that the country may be heading into a recession. And New Zealand has announced a $12 billion stimulus package in what the government's calling the most significant peacetime economic plan in the country's modern history. The New Zealand government's economic package is worth twice as much as Australia's in proportion to the country's economy. It includes an increase to welfare payments, wage subsidies to discourage businesses from laying off staff and a $500 million boost to the healthcare system. And Qantas and Jetstar are cutting international flights by 90% and domestic flights by 60% as the airline group struggles with a drop in travel demand. We'll be doing special coronavirus updates after our episodes every day. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.